Maybe I'm just in desperate need of more detective shows, like The Dark. There are so many detective shows. They're it's really crazy. There are. It's like, can we just get less detective shows, please? No. No, no, no. No. More. No. More okay. quality ones. Can we just canonize everything as True Detective and just make True Detective... Like the MCU. Under the banner of or heaven, True Detective. You... or And then, like, what was the other one with Kate Winslet? Oh. Mayor of Easttown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we get True Detective Mayor of Easttown? You know what they should do is like what JJ did with Cloverfield, where we're just going to buy movies that are kind of shitty. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And because they're going to probably fail otherwise, and we can get it for a deal. But I feel like every new detective show, I'm like, this is just as good as True Detective was. Can we just make this True Detective? Yeah. It feels... I don't know. Well, maybe maybe been, that's the MCU and me just being like, I want I want to canonize everything under one umbrella. Well, you need it in one world. Yeah. <laughs> All these characters exist. But it's There's also like this much murder. Different studios and different streaming services. I know. Makes sense. Yeah, but let's let's do it. Also, in terms of the identity of the show, I, I think it would take away from what makes good in their own right. Sharp objects. Another great example. I literally yeah. that season was like, oh, that was like a sick season of True Detective. Yeah, but it wasn't about. She wasn't a detective. It doesn't matter. She was doing detective work. But it's work. in the name. She was doing detective work. Yeah, but she wasn't. You know. She doesn't have to that, be. That's that's fair. She doesn't have to be a detective. That's fair. I. It is. A it, PI isn't a detective. It is funny, the effect, He's like investigator. The, the ubiquity of that tone, I guess you could say. Like I, thinking back on what True Detective season one did for television, not to blow it out of proportion, but it really was impactful, I think, for, because that was like, what, 2014? Circa 2014. Sharp Objects? Uh, no, True, oh, True Detective, Detective Season, season one. 1. Yeah, And that really did set the standard for that kind of show. Yeah. But I can't even think, like, before that, what something would have been like that. Because I'm sure True Detective was Well, we have wasn't... The Wire. That's, like, the pe- the ultimate example of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still very different. Like, when I think of The Wire and what it was doing, it's so different from what all these other shows we're talking about are doing. And I think it has to do mostly with the tonal, like a heavy, oppressive atmosphere of looming dread and mm, yeah well regardless of the shape it takes it is that i think Hmm. it is that that's how i would summarize it and so like under the banner of heaven just kind of condenses that into a singular focus which is mormonism true detective season one and the other seasons of true detective have they each have their own thing Mm -hmm. i don't know but i just i really like those kinds of shows and i never watch those like i like to watch yeah a lot of different kinds of things but I it's every time you watch a good detective true detective story, outer range yeah well that's why I, well, I'm, I want to finish that show like I picked it back up because it's it's a true detective it has season. that tone yeah. of that even if it it falls short in other ways and it's not a it also did, like dips heavily into the supernatural yeah and that's a big win for me true detective x-files that'd be so sick speaking of detectives ask me Ask me what we're doing here today. What are we doing here today, Steve? We're talking about something very unique. First time ever. Also, we're. Well, I'm unsure, at least, if we should even be doing this episode. Why not, Stephen? Why be, not? Just because I'm unsure if it, of its quality. Like, I'm unsure if it's worthy of its own episode. But it's worth the discussion. As like, we've, a, we've recorded shit things before. <laughs> true. As a large Batman fan, we're talking about a Batman thing today. Oh, yeah. It is a an audio drama yeah a batman podcast called batman unburied it's you might have seen it promoted on spotify it was at one point i think it was the most listened to podcast for a, a number of weeks mm-hmm. there for a little bit very popular 
Yeah. Sponsored by Cheetos or something. <laughs> I kept getting ads. Yeah. A lot of Cheetos ads. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Get a Cheetos ad. But Batman is a huge, I mean, I said this on the Robert Pattinson Batman episode, but I'm a huge Batman fan. He's my second most favorite superhero. And I feel like I'm really acquainted with who the character is. So to, uh, to listen to this was just super fun for me. Have you ever to listened go, to, to go on this journey? Audio drama before? No, no. I mean, I li- I've listened to books on tape, but not like this. Or books on audio. Audio dramas and podcast dramas are a pretty fascinating thing. Yeah, and they can take a lot of different shapes. Like sometimes it's uh, more straight drama, like this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's. I think what Archive eighty one started as was more like mm. it was framed as like a documentary style. Yeah. So you can do it in a lot of different ways, but it's a really cool format and medium that really doesn't get a lot of attention in the age of, you know, television and cinema. It's really fun to just close your eyes and listen to this and just use your imagination. And you could do it since the podcast is like, (laughs) you can be driving, you can be falling asleep to it. You can do a lot of different stuff while you're listening to it. Yeah. And and that's why we decided also to do an episode on it because we've never covered anything like this before. But it's it's uh, called Batman and Buried. It's technically a, a podcast series. It just came out a few months ago. We're in July now. I think it came out in May. And it's written by David S. Goyer, who's been a comic book writer for a long time. Maybe most famous for his collaborations with Nolan on his Batman. Goyer's had some hit or miss stuff too, but he seems to know his comics. You, you told me he was a comic writer, right? Yeah. And the cast is just crazy. And that was one of the draws for me is hearing who the cast was. Winston Duke plays Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah, big highlight. And I was, yeah, and I was like, oh, Winston Duke, he's like amazing and one of my favorite people these days. I loved him in nine days a lot. And I'm looking forward to his career going forward. Was he he also in uh, Us? That was Winston Duke, right? No? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was... He was the, the dad. husband. Yeah, the yeah. dad. Yeah, he yeah. was awesome in us. He's great. And Umbaku. Umbaku. I'm hoping for more of him in the next Black Panther film. Is it still possible that he takes up the mantle of Black Panther? I hope so. He'd be the best choice, I think, to be honest. I think they, from like what they did, kind of setting up his character and all the other Avengers films and stuff, I think. Yeah. Winston Duke's great. Yeah. And his Batman voice is insane. And he's also like... A tank, you know, he's built. He's, he's, he's built a large like a, man. he's built like a tank. Yeah. Uh, Jason Isaacs, formerly Lucius Malfoy, played Alfred. I love Jason Isaacs to death. He was in uh, the, the OA. Yeah, he was in OA. He's also in Castlevania. He'll always be the freaking British guy to me from the Patriot. Yeah, the freaking guy. Totally, the guy that kills Heath before Heath killed Heath too soon (laughs) that's a full batman circle 14 years too soon batman circle uh sam witwer who i first saw in season eight of smallville (laughs) has had a very prolific voice acting career no one plays crazy like sam witwer uh he plays the the main villain in this named the harvester and lance reddick who is from lost fringe Fringe. He might have been in Lost. I don't remember. But he plays Thomas Wayne, who's Bruce Wayne's dad. And then Martha Wayne's played by Tox or Tox Alagandoye. 
And then Dr. Hunter, and I also think it's the same person as Hugo Strange, is John Rhys-Davies. And Barbara Gordon is played by Gina Rodriguez. Vicky Vale is Ashley Birch. And then spoiler territory here, the big, big bad of this series. Stop listening now, listener, unless you don't care. Which is like a huge <laughs> reveal is Pamela Isley, bum, Poison bum. Ivy herself. And she's played by Emmy Raver Lampin. There you go. Never heard of her. Yeah, I've never heard of her either. But anyway, let's talk about the story a little bit. One of the things that kind of about this audio drama was that it was very talky, like even for an audio drama, because you know you're supposed to, you can't really show much. You have to kind of tell the audience what's happening. I thought it did an okay job of depicting those things. Yeah. It was fine. When when you rely so heavily on dialogue, it has to be good. And that's both in the writing and in the uh, the performances. And I thought, for the most part, it was pretty good. Some of the writing was not amazing. But it, it is a comic book production. <laughs> and um, some of the voice performances were also... Dece. Less amazing. A little decent. Especially when you're standing up to like Sam Witwer and Winston Duke. It's really tough to match. But but yeah, it, it was pretty dialogue heavy. I feel like there are creative ways with even an audio-based drama where you can use sound to not be so... Well, I feel like even in the action parts, they yeah. did a really good job of sound design and mixing mm-hmm. to make you feel like, oh, someone's getting hit or there's a car crash or there's like a... You know, and then, and then you can hear them like scrambling or you hear sirens and you know a cop's coming and it goes from being far away to being closer or just like whatever it was. I feel like they did a good job and the fact that they didn't utilize that more. Maybe it was a budgetary issue, but I felt like they could have used more sound effects and such and left a little bit more open-ended kind of ambiguous nature as far as like what's actually happening in the audio to... to convey something rather than just having it be said by one of the characters i think the nature of the story was tricky that they had to use a lot of written dialogue yeah like the story is there's a lot uh going on with misdirection i think they tried very hard to obfuscate or perplex the listener yeah i think you you might have been able to do more with it if it had just been a little bit of a more straightforward story yeah i should let's just kind of tell the story of what happens to kind of talk about that obfuscation obfuscation so it starts off with bruce wayne he's not batman he has no recollection of batman he's a mortician is that what it's called or a mortuary dude yeah (laughs) who who's in the basement of a hospital and his dad's still alive and his mom's still alive as well his dad is the head of the hospital and Bruce Wayne is, he's already done like over 300 autopsies in the year that we find him. And he's only like in the 200th day. And he, he does his autopsies by using empathy. And he, he kind of like embodies the dead person in a weird way. He keeps getting these bodies from kind of a string of murders by a serial killer named the Harvester. And the Harvester attacks him during one of these autopsies he survives because like a stab wound he goes in a hospital bed and his dad comes in and he's like you know you're working too hard i don't really like what you do as a mortician you didn't become a doctor like me and bruce is like yeah 
(laughs) (laughs) And so his dad forces him to go to therapy. And then while he's in therapy, he starts kind of talking about with, with the therapist about who he is and, and past childhood trauma and stuff like that. And it doesn't really sound like Batman or the Bruce Wayne that we know from the comics or any of the movies or anything. It sounds like this Bruce Wayne kind of grew up and just chose a different path and his, his parents are still alive. So he never had a reason to become Batman. Uh, and then at the end of episode two, we hear some bats and we're like, what's going on? So then episode three starts, we start following Barbara Gordon we hear kind of a different story about Bruce Wayne. We hear that Bruce Wayne has died in a helicopter crash and Barbara starts to investigate cause she knows that Bruce Wayne is also Batman and that Batman probably won't die and Bruce probably isn't dead. So she starts trying to find him and to do that, she has to break out the Riddler because she thinks the Riddler is the only way, the only person that can find the clues necessary to track down Bruce Wayne. So she breaks out the Riddler kind of in a legal way, not illegal, but in a legal way, she breaks out the Riddler by legally ha- breaks someone out, hacking into the system ah. and changing the paperwork or whatever. <laughs> she has a lot of, cause she, in the comics, Barbara becomes Oracle and she has a lot of Oracle vibes during that. And then, uh, and then her and the Riddler start trying to find Bruce. They kind of get on a trail. They do find him and they find out that, uh, he's been being interrogated by Dr. Hugo Strange, who is the therapist psychologist at Arkham Asylum. And he's been trying to hack into Bruce's mind because he wants to get into Bruce's secret vault in Wayne Tower. And so all the stuff we like, you know, spent the first few episodes learning about Bruce Wayne being a mortician and all that stuff. That was all in his mind. It was something that he created. He wakes up from Hugo Strange trying to break into his mind. And they break out of this facility. Him, Barbara, and the Riddler. The Riddler at some point gets wounded and sent back to the Arkham Asylum. And then Bruce Wayne and Barbara retreat back to, I think, the Batcave or some sort of subsidiary off-site Batcave somewhere. And he kind of recoups for a little bit and, you know, becomes Batman again. And Barbara helps him the whole time. And there's a bunch of backstory with Barbara and why she became a cop and that Jim Gordon no longer works for the force. And there's also a lot of corruption within the police force in Gotham. Shocker. Yeah. (laughs) Like in every Batman story. And then Batman goes to investigate Hugo Strange going like, why did you do this to me? And he finds him dead. (gasps) Oh. And then he starts listening to his recorded sessions with other inmates and he's trying to find the harvester ultimately. And he starts listening to tapes with the harvester. And then at some point, the name Pamela Isley is mentioned. Do you want to take it from here? Yeah. I think that was at the end of the seventh episode. Yep. It's revealed that Pam has been behind this whole thing. She's been pulling the strings or she's been poisoning the strings. Pulling the vines. Ooh. Ah, I got him. <laughs> and so I think episode eight of 10 is like her logs just explaining her backstory. And we get a lot of cool new lore for Pam Isley. Really yeah. cool stuff. But yeah. also terrifyingly sad. Her, her father basically experimented on her for years. Super because sad. Because she had, you know, special abilities with plants, horticulture, I think, botany. 
<laughs> I think those are the words that I'm looking for. Uh, a botanist in nature. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so the rest of the show is her uh, with the harvester. Uh-huh. They... We find out that she was working with Hugo Strange. Yeah. Giving him some some stuff from her body that that was yeah. used to get to break into Bruce's mind. Yeah. There was she had uh she has f- certain pharmaceutical properties. Yeah, they talk about how like her saliva is poison and her that's hot. Her just, what yeah. else? What else? Uh I mean just even her the snot. touch of, like she can't touch cuz even the mere touch I think of her skin is uh toxic. Oh, oh her tears would yeah. be used as mind yeah. drugs. I don't know. Something. Don't All know. that stuff. Yeah. And it's revealed that her whole point, her intentions, her plan is to obtain and then utilize this thing that is essentially like a tree of life. It's like an olive tree. It's right? like in Israel, right? Yeah, it's in the Middle East or it was it's discovered that it was moved into the Wayne Manor or into his lab, the vault. And so that's where... She our, has some connection with that tree of life or something. Yeah. I'm not sure what the nature of that connection is. No pun intended. She just said... <laughs> she said it was calling to her. And her plan is kind of to use it to... So she doesn't lose it. <laughs> she wants to use it on a global scale and I think there will be a, a lot of casualties, but I think her intentions are ultimately to help humanity. It's really unclear. Yeah, I think she wants to do what her dad didn't do, yeah. which is help humanity instead of... But in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Thanos did nothing wrong. Kind right. Of, well, he uh, didn't. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But he did. But he didn't. Um, anyway, she, she goes with Harvester. She, she has not been having the harvester under mind control he's just been helping her because he's gonna get something out of it yeah he believes in her vision yeah yeah he's like a fanatic follower i think he's just like a he's a serial killer who eats people's organs he's kind of like a hannibal (laughs) he's a cannibal yeah he's a cannibal (laughs) cornelius sterk i think is his name yeah anyway they, they go assault wayne's vault and batman is in hot pursuit (laughs) (laughs) batman and barbara and they have, I think, Vicky or someone is uh, collateral. Vicky Vale. V- Vicky Vale. So they get in there, and I can't remember if the plant's moved again or if they find it, but in the finale, Batman <laughs> no, shows up. No, they didn't up. find the, the tree. Bruce moved the tree to his personal garden at the Wayne Manor. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't at Wayne Tower. It was back at his house. Right. And she's like, damn. So she has to go to the manor to find it. And they get there, and there's a confrontation wherein... Alfred's under mind control now. Yeah, Alfred has a gun. Barbara's still helping Batman. Alfred gets shot, I think. He's mm-hmm. wounded. Mm-hmm. And then Pam... I can't remember what exactly causes her to lose, but she loses. I think she like tries to merge with the tree, and then Batman stops the process. I think he appeals and then he to her gets better like, nature. He gets like sucked down to... Oh, yeah, I think he does. And yeah. then, because that causes Cornelius to... like rage out because he's like you like made her doubt her mission or something yeah and then harvester goes mental and i think barbara was, shoots him yeah someone puts him down <laughs> it's he, it's pretty i can't remember he gone uh anyway pam wants to be put in with the tree she wants to go into the tree yeah and batman i think he must oblige because She's choosing the blue pill or the red pill i can't remember the last thing we see in kind of a post credits scene or here because it's an audio <laughs> trauma the last thing we hear is uh, Ivy is in fact not dead, and she 
reaches out to her lover ex-lover Friend. from her past alex that is uh somewhere in gotham's outer district trying to help people yeah so ivy's not gone but sh- you think she's gone and uh that's how it ends yeah <laughs> oh and then and then the riddler tried to escape oh yeah overseas and the, then batman goes to get him and bring him back to gotham and he does and it's it's amicable because the riddler rid- seems really chill yeah he's super chill in this <laughs> He was crazy, and then he like in this he's chill. I think he's like, I'm I'm older and I've mellowed out more yeah. here. But yeah, so so much to say. Just from as a Batman fan, the draws here for me honestly was that this was one of the coolest Poison Ivy stories I've ever seen or heard or read. Which it wasn't until the last. I, although I didn't read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was a Poison Ivy story until the last three episodes, until episodes eight, nine, and ten. So, obfuscation. It was, Big obfuscation. It was obfuscated hard up until episode seven. Red herring? Yes. The whole thing felt... I mean, okay, there, there's a couple low points. One of the low points was that the whole thing was essentially a red herring mm-hmm. until episode five or six when we find out that nothing up to that point mattered. <laughs> big, big subversion of expectation. Yeah. And... and but overall, I mean, it's all about the journey, right? Like, cause yeah. you get out of watching a movie and you're like, Oh, that was so cool. And I, it did feel a little bit let down. Like I wasted my time a little bit, but it ultimately wasn't that bad. And it was more interesting than like a lot of other content that I would watch. So I, I mean, in the end, like it, it, it was sort of worth it for me to listen to. And, and it was funny cause you slipped by saying, something that you've seen but we never see it we only heard it so yeah and that's part of the how good it actually is it really does paint a picture while just while you're listening it has very quality music like with some really good like reoccurring themes that kind of paint sort of like a noir sort of tone and feeling that we'll play here at the end it has uh really good voice casting and acting uh, Winston Duke's Batman voice is next level. It's like, it's like not even human. It's insane. Yeah, it's like demonic. He's like <laughs> he's he got such a deep voice. I would love to see him in live action. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'd be killer. And then, like I said, Poison Ivy's journey and story was unlike any Poison Ivy thing I've ever seen. This may have been. I think it was adapted from something. I'm not exactly sure what it was called, but one of the things that this was hailed as being was a Batman story unlike any other. And I think I I understand why I think it was really going for something really shooting for the stars and it's already been greenlit for a second uh, season or run. But the Pamela Isley story is a thing that like, I think is the focus for me, you know, the stories I've always seen is like, she was like some sort of scientist or chemist or something and spills chemicals on herself or, you know, she gets, she falls in love with plants and the plants consume her and she becomes one with the plants or something. But this was like a very interesting story. It felt like I could have watched this poison Ivy story in like a Christopher Nolan or um, Matt Reeves, Batman story. And that it would have been just as grounded and believable. Yeah. Even though it does have supernatural elements, you know, it's all based in science and, it's a really messed up origin story, but I think that's what made it so engaging for me. Um, Pamela Isley and Poison Ivy just felt like just like a really interesting character, you know, and then and then 
the whole idea of like searching for the tree of life, even though that, that was never said, that was never explicitly said that the tree of life was the name of this tree, but that it had some sort of property or value is also such a Batman thing. Like it's, it's like a Batman having no powers, but his comics even having like supernatural elements, they're always playing off of like the mythos of, of past stories and ideas, concepts that border on being real or unreal. Like and Lazarus pools. Or something. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and oftentimes they end up being real, but it's usually because it's a Batman comic, it's usually explained in some scientific manner. And, yeah. but that whole element and the fact that they kept it ambiguous instead of actually calling it the tree of life was also really fascinating to me. Yeah. I agree. My only criticism would be like, I wish there had been more crazy voice performances, I guess. Mm. I feel like Poison Ivy could have been played up a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like the iconic Poison Ivy in my head, even though the movie was whatever, was like Uma Thurman's in Batman and Robin, was it? Yeah, I Like a, so. a super campy, but pretty fun stylized performance of that character. And uh, some of the characters in this one were just, like I said, compared to like, some of the other characters, it just felt kind of kind of weak. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of great voice talent out there, and it makes me hopeful for a second season because if they lean into it harder, and especially if yeah, they don't totally. do some of the misdirection as hard, there's a lot of potential for what you can do. Sure. Especially with that. It has, like you said, such an amazing noir atmosphere. Yeah. I'd love to just listen to this on like a rainy night in some city, <laughs> just like looking out the window. Yeah. It felt like a, it's got that Matt Reeves Batman tone. Yeah, totally. And I think that was the the thing that like is the most worth talking about is like the fact that it, you know, created a world in your mind and your mindscape just through sound that you could sit there and literally watch it happen. And I think I think because our culture is so familiar with Batman content and things we've seen before of Batman, you know, he's all over the place that we're yeah. able to sit back and and picture it as it happens through our ears, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This felt like a fresh take, even if it was kind of crazy and out there, mm-hmm. it, it should, I'd recommend you at least check out the first episode and it, it might pull you in, uh, from the get go. So it's worth I mean, checking if, out. If you've made it this far, yeah, then you're already spoiled and <laughs> you might just want to start with episode eight. I forget that everyone doesn't have a Spotify account, Yeah, but it is a pretty accessible thing. Yeah. I would, I would definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really good. And I, especially for wanting something kind of fresh with Batman that we haven't seen in a while or heard in a while. Yeah. Experienced in a while. I, I, you know, coming off of the Batman, which felt really similar to Christopher Nolan's films. I think that this kind of satisfied that taste, that urge for flesh like the harvester mm-hmm. Harvester. Ha- have you ever listened to any other audio dramas besides this one i think i have but i my memory is pretty shot mm. i'm i've always I've, I've wanted to make one for a while because it's such a cool idea to me yeah where you focus all your efforts onto a single like a singular aspect of a medium in the same way that i think like it, it's cool to make a show or like an episode of a show without dialogue like, what can you accomplish with a visual storytelling in that format? It feels the same to me as an audio drama. Like, how much can you accomplish with just sound? And try to be light on the dialogue, but also, like, economical. You know, be intentional with your usage of 
the spoken word so that you can really create an atmosphere with just sound. It's a fascinating idea to me. And so this was really cool. And I hope I'd, I'd love to check more audio dramas out, but there's just so much content, you know, it's content heaven, content hell right now. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, what can you do with the confines of the limitations that you have in front of you and how far can you take it to yeah. the point of making it good? That's always really interesting to me. And while there's a high skill ceiling for that, in my opinion, there's also a low yeah. sk- skill floor or like the barrier for entry is such that I feel like we, we could so easily do something like this. Yeah. Because you don't need like the fancy camera and all the expensive lenses. And you can, as long as you're directing them well, you can get great performances out of a voice actor. You still got to find the right people, but yeah. it's a cool idea. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that is our little episode on Batman Unburied. Here is that hit noir track that I, I couldn't find the artist for, but here, here it is. 